7, verse 18, and put your thumb there and then look up at me and give me a huge grin. (laughs) Our text this morning is Luke chapter 7, verses 18 to 23. And this is what God's word says. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning all these things. And John, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? When the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? And at that very hour he cured many of infirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and... Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Now, in these recent weeks, Pastor Brooks has been talking to us about the platform. That's the name of his series that he's been going through. And essentially what he wants us to to get in our minds and get in our hearts when he talks about the platform is sharing Jesus where you are. Sharing Jesus in your sphere of influence. And what I want to talk to you today about is an issue that if you take the platform, if you jump up there where you work and where you go to school and with your family, there's going to be an issue that you're going to face at some point or another, and that issue is doubt. And I want to look at a specific instance in the life and ministry of John the Baptist to help us to know What should we do in times of doubt? Now, John is a very interesting character in Scripture. Um, We call him John the Baptist because the big part of his ministry was the people of Israel before the coming of Jesus were coming, and they were coming to confess their sins and to be baptized by him, sort of to prepare the hearts of the people for the Messiah's coming. And this is in... Direct fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 3, and also Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. And basically what that prophecy says is before the Messiah comes, there's going to be one who's going to go before him and prepare his way. And he's going to be the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. Well, John is a special guy in Scripture because he's the last of the Old Testament prophets. He's somebody that Scripture tells us in Luke chapter 1 and verse 41 was filled with the Holy Spirit even from the womb. That John was in the desert or in the wilderness with the wild beast until the day that he was manifested to Israel. In other words, he was on God's specific track for one thing. His one function in ministry was to point out the Messiah when he came on the scene so that the nation of Israel wouldn't miss him. 
And he makes that declaration that's recorded for us in John chapter 1, verse 29, when he says, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And that declaration is something that was very important because the Jewish people had been in expectation for hundreds of years for the Messiah to come. And by the way, they're still waiting. He came and they missed it. But John, he says, there he is. I don't want you to miss it. That word behold is almost like the drill sergeant at Paris Island saying, yeah, I'm talking to you. Except for John is saying, behold the Lamb of God. That's the one. That's the one that I've been talking to you about saying I'm not even worthy to carry his shoes. That's the one. And John is a picture for us of humility. And he says, but he must increase. John chapter 3 and verse 30, but I must decrease. In other words, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do in ministry, but when Jesus is on the rise and people are coming to Him and people are paying attention to Him, I'm not going to get upset. I'm going to realize that I'm just doing what I'm here to do. And that's to point Him out and to be happy that He's here. And we also read of another thread in scripture one that you might not be familiar with because all those details that I told you those are the stories about John and the things about John that we've heard but there's another thread in John's life that's recorded for us that might or might not be as familiar to you and that thread of events is what this passage speaks to that we just read well there are two parallel passages Matthew chapter 14 and Mark chapter 6 that tell us that John had a hearing with the man named Herod the Tetrarch. Herod the Tetrarch was a ruler that had control over a certain area of Galilee at the time of Jesus' earthly ministry. And he was a very powerful guy. And we, we learn that John had a hearing with him that he feared John greatly, that, that he knew that John was a, a holy man and a just man. But John had told Herod that he ought not have taken his brother's wife because Herod married her. Her name was Herodias. And what John is telling her is directly out of Old Testament law. Leviticus 18.16 and Leviticus 20.21. 20, and it basically says that your brother's wife is off limits. So John comes to Herod and he says, you didn't do what you should have done when you married Herodias. And the Bible tells us in these parallel accounts that Herodias hated him for that. Herodias wanted to kill him. But she couldn't. And Herod wanted him dead too. But he couldn't touch him because it says that the people regarded John as a prophet. In other words, the people had an opinion of John that made his reputation such that Herod needed to leave him alone because he had the support of the people. But we see this thread of animosity that is developing between Herod and John the Baptist. Well, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 3, verses 18 to 20, that 
Herod was upset with John for what he said about who he married, but Herod put him in prison. So after John points out Jesus, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, Herod throws him in jail. And that's where we find him in Luke chapter 7. He is in jail. He has fulfilled his ministry to point out the Messiah. And he's at a really low point because he sends two disciples to Jesus and they're to ask him a question. Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? And for John to ask his disciples to tell Jesus that, that's a huge deal. Because John was told by divine revelation that Jesus was who he was and to point him out so the nation wouldn't miss him. And John is so low, he's saying, are you the coming one or do we look for another? And see, that issue of doubt is one that we're going to deal with too. Because, thank you, because no matter what your ministry is, no matter what, you do for the cause of Christ, there are going to be times of doubt. Not maybe, not if, but definitely, and when. And the issue for us is the same issue as it was for John. Okay, now he's, he's in a seriously low state if he's, if he's doubting even what the Father told him by divine revelation. And it, it says that he asked his disciples to come to Jesus after they reported to him certain things in verse 18. Well, what are the things that the disciples of John reported to him? They reported to him the things in Luke chapter 7 that come immediately before. The healing of the centurion servant and the raising of the only son of the widow of Nain. In other words, you know the story. The centurion comes to Jesus and he says, I've got a servant and I love him and care about him and he's sick. Would you come and heal him? And the rulers of the synagogues come to Jesus and they say, you ought to do what he asked because he loves our nation and he's built us a synagogue. So Jesus agrees to come with them, but before Jesus gets there, the centurion sends servants, and he says, Lord, I'm not, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. Just say that my servant is healed, and that's enough. I, I believe that he will be. And Jesus remarks that he hasn't seen that much faith even in Israel. And then after that, you've got... A lady who has one son, her son died. They're in the funeral procession and Jesus stops the guys carrying the coffin and he says, young man, I'm, I'm saying to you, get up. In other words, rise up. So the guy who's dead in the coffin sits up and he starts to speak. Jesus takes him out of the coffin and presents him back to his mother. Those are the things that the disciples of John reported to him. It's no coincidence that there's a picture of such awesome faith and a picture of the ultimate miracle that Jesus would do to testify to who he was. Except for he's not raising somebody else's son from the dead. He's raising himself up. 
on the third day. And those are pictures for us of the things that John's disciples reported to him. And John still asks, even after they give him the account of the centurion servant and the raising of the widow of Nain's son, he still asks, are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? And Jesus answers, and I want to focus today on verse 22 and verse 23. Jesus answers and said to the disciples, Go and tell John the things you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Now, all of these things that Jesus mentions, the blind seeing, the lame walking, deaf hearing, dead are raised, lepers are cleansed, all these things are characteristics of Jesus' ministry. These are the things that we see Jesus doing. And for the sake of time, I won't rattle off all the references. But in the Gospels we see, Luke chapter 5, he heals the paralytic. Luke chapter 7, we just read it. He raised the widow of Nain's son. Mark chapter 7, heals a deaf man. Luke chapter 5, verse 12 and following, he heals guys with leprosy. And Jesus is essentially saying, guys, you have been party to what's been going on when I've been here. Go and tell John that. Go and tell John what you see and what you hear. In other words, tell John what's going on. Tell him the things that you see me doing. Tell him the things that you're hearing with your ears. But you see, John, he had secondhand information. He wasn't there. He wasn't those disciples standing there in Jesus' presence seeing all those things happen. He just had Jesus' word. And that raises the issue for us. None of us have stood there while Jesus was in front of us and had him say to a guy in a coffin, get up, go back to your mama. Or a guy who is lame and never walked, stand up, take up your mat, go home. Or a guy who has leprosy, you go and present yourself to the priest and do the purification rites like Moses commanded you and Go ahead. Go in peace. But what we do have is His Word. And the faith that John had to follow through. Because the Scripture tells us John lost his head. And we don't read in Scripture that John said, oh, it's too hard being in prison. I'm over it. We don't read that. We read John doing exactly what John was supposed to do in the circumstances where he was. And the issue for us is just like the issue that John had when he asked the question, are you the coming one or do we look for another? Will we take God at His Word? Or will we look at the circumstances in which we find ourselves? Now, it's worth knowing that 
in theological circles today, there is a movement. It's called the Word of Faith Movement. And it simply says that if I have enough faith, that my circumstances will reflect it positively in material prosperity, lack of sickness, good circumstances. And if I don't, then my circumstances will reflect it negatively. Pain, suffering, illness. See, this isn't what Scripture teaches us. Scripture teaches us that our faith is not based on our circumstances. Our faith is based on the character of the person that we have faith in. The Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us, for faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Substance of things not seen. Chapter 11 and verse 1. And it also says in verse 6, For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. In other words, where do we go when we hit our minute like John the Baptist had? Where we just say, Lord, I'm looking around me and I just don't know. You could ask that question and you don't know Jesus this morning. You're like that guy on the car lot kicking tires and looking under hoods and checking under the dash. You, you don't know about this whole Jesus thing. And you, you say to yourself, well, well, I don't know if I can trust Jesus. Because if I can trust him, why would he allow X, Y, and Z to happen to me or to those people I love? Or on the other side of the nickel, you've been following Jesus for a long time. And you're tired. And you look around you and you say, Lord, I love you and you know I love you. I know who you are and I know what you've done. But I just don't know. Where do we go then? We look to Him. He's our focus. Not our circumstances. And see, this is the crux of what Jesus says to John's disciples in verse 23. Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. In other words, blessed is the person, favored is the person, privileged is the person who doesn't stumble, trip over me, fall over me. Well, why would somebody be offended at Jesus? Well, there are two, two groups of people in the sound of my voice. Those people who would get upset at Jesus for something that He allowed that they don't understand or something that didn't happen that they wish would have. That's the reason reasons, two of the most prevalent, why we would get offended at Jesus. Why it would be hard to, to take Him at His Word. Why it be, would be hard to trust them. And Jesus is saying, don't miss me because you're hung up on what I allowed that you don't understand or what didn't happen that you wanted to. Trust me. Focus on me. 
let your attention be on me and not on what's happening around you because the things that happen around you will always change. But he never does. There's hope in that. There's hope that we need to hear. Especially if we don't quite know whether we want to trust Jesus with everything. We don't really know if He's worth it. Or on the other side of it, we do know He's worth it and we're just tired. And we need to keep going. For both groups of people, the character of Jesus is the thing. That's where our focus needs to be. And Jesus goes on in verse 24 to 28 and He praises John the Baptist and He says, there's nobody greater of those people that have been born of women than John the Baptist. But the least in the kingdom of God is greater than He is. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying the important thing is kingdom entrance. It's way more important than what you go through. It's even more important than John the Baptist himself. Kingdom entrance. And you see, whether or not you stumble over Jesus, it has direct relationship to whether or not you enter the kingdom. Whether or not you're in right relationship to Him when He comes. Because think about people's issues. What issues do they have with Jesus? What we've just been talking about. Why is it important that they not stumble over Him? Because on their relationship to Him stands or falls their eternity. That's why. Stands or falls what happens after they leave this world. Because everything we see is not all there is. There's an eternity waiting on us when we leave here. And the Bible tells us that we have to be ready. How do we get ready? By being in right relationship with Jesus Himself. And not being offended in Him and not stumbling over Him and not getting hung up on things that are not the main thing. That's important. Because look around us in our world. What do you see? People who are still asking, are you the coming one? Or do we look for somebody else? Do you have what we need or should we be barking up another tree? Are you it, Jesus? Or not? And the answer is yes. He is what we need. He is our hope. Live and uncut and risen from the dead. And we won't have to take a disciple's word for it like John did. We'll be able to see Him for who He is one day. If we're not offended. If we don't stumble. And I know that the person of Jesus is what it all comes down to. Because you look at the things in our world and the the religions in our world and the cults in our world and where does it all get real interesting? The person of Jesus. And I would just ask you, that if you're tired today and you know Jesus, 
And you've been at it a long time. You've been following Him a long time. You, you have many years of trusting Christ and walking in faith and doing the things that Christians do in this world. Keep going. Don't stop. Because He's not here yet. And you're not home yet. That's the only reason that you stop. Either He comes or you're home. And those things haven't happened yet. So you have to keep going. That's why this place and these folks is so important because we need the body. We can't be lone rangers. We have to lean on each other. Because sometimes you can't stand up. You need somebody to hold you up and pray for you and listen to you when you don't exactly know what to do. And if you're here and you don't know who Jesus is, and you know that something is missing, and you're trying everything you can to get it, and it ain't working out, and you're just working yourself into the mud, turn your focus to Him. Say, Lord, this is me. I can't do this life. It's too hard. I can promise you, God won't turn a deaf ear. God won't leave you to your own devices. He will come where you are. He will invade your life. He will save you. And He will change you for the better. And if you don't believe it, try Him and see. Try Him and see what happens when you come to Him on His terms and you acknowledge who He is. You better hang on to your socks because it's going to get interesting real fast when you do that. And it's okay to have doubts. The issue is, how do you respond to those doubts when they come? And where is your focus? Where is my focus? Well, I know often where it is. It's where it doesn't need to be. It's on what happens around me and what people say and what I think they think about what's going on. Those things are not the character of Jesus. The character of Jesus is clearly revealed for us in the Word of God. It tells us what He thinks about us and what He feels about us and what He says about tough times and how we ought to react. And the number one thing that He says to us is look at me. Focus on me. Trust me. Walk with me. Serve me. No matter what happens, it won't be for nothing. That's good news. Because y'all know in this world we live in, everything is happening. People can love you on Tuesday and hate your guts on Thursday afternoon. People are fickle. And the good, the good reputation that you had with folks at the beginning of the week might not be what you enjoy come Saturday. Why is that? Because this world and the people in it are transitory. Jesus is forever. Jesus is eternal. And see, when your life is, is anchored firmly in the person of Jesus, you can roll with it. Because it doesn't matter if Clinton gets elected or Trump gets elected or, or what happens with ISIS in the Middle East or what happens in our own neighborhood. If we die today, if we die next Tuesday, our eternity is secure. And what does that mean? 
It means we can live wide open. It means we can push the envelope. We can love people where they are, when they're dirty and they're broken and they don't act like we think they ought to act. We can just wade into the middle of their circumstances and say, I got what you need. It doesn't cost. I'll give it to you for free. All you have to do is just wait just a second and let me tell you all about it. And you never know what can happen. You never know what can happen. God is in the results. He can take care of what happens. So if you have times of doubt, and matter of fact, you're in one right now. You own that. Say, Lord, I just don't know. Would you help me? Would you help me? I'm not leaving here until I do some business with you and I need you to help me. Did you know when you get desperate with God, when you get real with God, that's when he just comes and does all kind of cool stuff. But if we sit here and we act like we don't have any issues, and we act like everything's fine, that'll only get you so far. He didn't go to Calvary for that. He went to Calvary so you could be real with him because he was real with you. He died for you when you didn't deserve it. So how about we be real with him, especially in his house? How about that? I think he deserves it. What do you think? But I'm not talking about the person next to you or behind you or in front of you. I'm talking about you and I'm talking about me. Let's get real with where we're at and where we're not and where we want to be and how we're going to get there. And he can do the work. He can. That's good news. And my challenge to you today, and I'm going to pray, and I'm done, is do business with him before you leave. Don't come in his house and don't have doubts and don't let him address those doubts. Don't let him help you when you're having a rough time. Don't come here and miss your opportunity to do business with him. That's what this place is for. That's what this place is for. That's what we're all here to do. To meet with Jesus and to do business with him and to admit that we need his help. To do this thing we call the Christian life. To do this thing we call life, period. We've got to have his help. I have to have it because I'm a mess. I'm a work in progress. I need him to help me. Do y'all? Yeah, I thought so. But that's so good because he won't leave us. He won't leave us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the folks that are here and they are full of turkey and dressing and all the good things of Thanksgiving and they want to do business with you. I pray that you would speak to them. I pray that you would meet with them. I pray that you would do what only you can do on the inside of them. That you would help them if they're struggling and they're having doubts. That you would help them to 
to do what you've called them to do and more importantly to to live the life of a follower of Jesus in this world because it's more important than what we drove here in or what kind of clothes we have. What's important is what you can do with our life. What, What you can do with a life that's yielded to you. And all of us struggle. So I pray that you would help us where we struggle. Help us where we doubt. Help us when things are unclear and it's cloudy and we just don't know. But we know you. And if there are folks that don't know you, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. That they would throw up their hands and they would surrender and they would say, Lord, I can't do this life without you. I need you to come in to to be first for me, to call the shots. I need you to do what only you can do. Would you please do that? Would you please save me? Would you please change me from the inside out? And I thank you that that's your heart. That's what you're after. You're after people who don't know you yet. I pray that you would do that work, and I thank you. In Christ's name, amen.